From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Hi, and welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey, and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about the movie Spectral, so consider this your spoiler warning. Yeah, so turn back now if you haven't seen this movie yet, and then you can tune back in. So Spectral is a science fiction thriller story centred on special ops team that is dispatched to fight supernatural beings in a war-torn sort of city. Uh, it's directed by Nick Matthew. What was your number one takeaway from this, sorry? Number one takeaway is that science nerds can be heroes. That's pretty good. Yep. The, the other one, of course, I think is that it's really nice to be able to see sort of a, a, a mix of this possibly supernatural coming into science where, because I'm, I'm always of this, the Arthur C. Clarke experience where any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, right. And see, so the thing is, if you can uh, observe a ghost, then it's something that can be understood and um, looked at with science. Yeah, definitely. Because science, science is just a way of understanding things and uh, a way of describing natural, the things that we can see and touch and observe, measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a nice touch in this film that the the spectrals, the ghosts kind of things were, you know, like you saw their reaction, you know, like it wasn't just the monster in the dark, you know, like many yeah. films do. Like you actually, very early on, that first scene that the main character bumps into them, like once he discovers, even though this thing's killing all the soldiers, you, he sees expression on its face and we do too as the audience. And I thought, oh, this is, this is a, an interesting way of doing it. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was quite quite well sort of merged. It had a couple of good scenes, which we'll get to. Mm. Uh, so how about you, Mark? Is this a hope, a warning, or an experiment? Well, I thought it was a warning too because it's the, the premise of the film does set up that we're in war and then the locals, there's the myth of the idea that these are actually, you know, the dead souls because of war and they're stuck. And then on the other side, like the, the military were sort of saying, well, that's not the case. What are these things? Maybe they're a advanced military machine, you know, camouflage, I think was being suggested for Active quite camouflage. a while. <laughs> so, it w- but I think straight away you could sort of suggest, well, it's military, something's gone wrong here. You know, what are these things? And again, being that the film was so based in it. So I, I do think warning in looking into a bit of research was actually the director, yeah, the director, Nick Matthew, he actually said, well, this, it was a kind of cautionary tale. That was the idea. That was the yeah. pr- promise of the premise that they set out to do for this story was that, yep, it's sort of suggesting military experiments go wrong, you know? And so I, I feel again, it is in that, in that warning category. I definitely have to agree, particularly because at the end uh, you've got the the finale where they they break into the lab and all of the researchers are dead. Yes. And then at the very end, the final image of the scene is the CIA woman, Fran, uh, telling 
telling Klein that that uh, they're going to you know deconstruct, reverse engineer, and yeah. basically this is, she's not looking too hopeful about it either. Going well, we're just going to get more of this. Mm. There's there's danger here, so yeah. it leaves with a warning. Yeah, it does, doesn't there's, it? Yeah. You, you could say experiment because yep. they're sort of entering new field, but they're not really. Yeah, the yeah. ending of it distinctly puts it in the yeah. warning category. And I, I think you know if you remember early. Uh, in America with with Klein and that there's that sort of he debates with his boss the ethics of yeah, science and they developed why energy weapon yeah oh, it's an energy device the idea of using it to you know penetrate um, armor or freeze yeah. or flash boil water yeah and then of course first thing the military guy says hmm have you used it on a living thing? <laughs> it was a great scene, that scene. That's one of my best scenes. We'll come back to that. But, it, it, but it, there's that ethical question from him when they do debate the spectrals and the camouflage. Again, they're kind of debating, are these living things or are these soldiers? Yeah. And then you're right, like at the end, again, it's kind of a reminder of that question because she goes, okay, now we're here and we're okay and we know what we're looking at. Let's keep it intact because we can use this ourselves. You know, We can use this technology. And he's like... Uh-uh, you know, we've got to stop this now as the ethical science question for the main character, you know. So I thought that was quite nice as well uh, overall with this film. Yeah, nice warning. Warning, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, to be honest, I think quite often science fiction, that's where it is good. It's a good, you know, long, hard look at ourselves and where we might head an alternative to where we are. And even questioning maybe some of our current tactics, political, military, etc. And it's kind of like... We as humans can decide to go down that path, and here's a here's here's a version of it. Yeah, I mean traditionally we have I think been a fifty fifty mix between civilian and military use, uh, nuclear power, for example. Sure, there was a, a bomb, mm. but mind you, that was kind of dictated by the fact that coming to the end of the biggest war, war yeah. the world's ever seen. Yeah, but straight out of that came nuclear power. Yeah, which. Yeah, you know, re uh, or reinvigorated war-torn countries, countries that had suffered a lot of loss. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and they were able to get a lot of energy and electrical power to to power their industry, yep. get it back up and running very quickly. Yeah. So there is there is that sort of double side there, and there always is, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, the steel that people use to make weapons with, they're also used to make schools and hospitals. Well, that's right. And yeah. the the technology research to find stronger steels helps you build. Uh, better buildings or tools with less of it as well as make better weapons. And everyone listening to a podcast like this one, we're using the internet, which of course was developed by the US military, you know? So, you know, we got to cash in on these. playing online games. That's right. (laughs) And Googling porn again. That's pretty much what we do. Or streaming Netflix movies like this one, Spectral. Yes. So let's have a bit of a, a brief overview of the plot. We sort of talked a bit about that. The director was Nick Matthew. Mathai, yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure, to be honest. Again, if Nick wants to call, you know, emails and let us know how to say whether it's Matthew or Matho. Yep. Or Matho. Or even a listener could let us know. Yeah, listener. Mispronouncing wrong. But if you're going to, just pretend that you're Just pretend you're Nick. (laughs) It it starred James Badgett. Dale. Dale, yeah, he's the lead character, Dr. Klein. He, he appeared in a, a number of other movies as secondary characters. Mm. I just, I had who he was, can't remember. <laughs> there you go. And Fran Madison was played by Emily Mortimer, which I've seen her in a truckload of stuff. Yes, yeah, secondary uh, you know, again, again, secondary characters. Yeah. I think she's 
been in a couple of kids' movies that maybe I've seen because of my little kiddies. Um, and then probably third, Bruce, Bruce Greenwood that's been around again, lots of secondary characters and stuff like this. Yeah. And this was a full-fledged Netflix film. Yeah, $70 so, million dollars yeah. budget. So and Big you, could, you could tell it yeah. showed that. Yep. I was reading actually Universal originally had the rights and okay. we're going to release it in August of 2016. They, uh, without disclosing why, canned it mm-hmm. and Netflix bought it. Whole, yeah, right. Just bought whole the whole thing. And... For global distribution. Yeah, right. Which uh, I think is, is, a, is a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a pretty good film with some good showing, but that I think Universal's of the world want to have like a star power in there. That's right, yeah. Had yeah. Tom Cruise been the the lead role or or uh, or even if you had someone like Michael Bean or Michael Bain yeah. doing one of the military dudes, mm. uh, particularly one of the ones that died. So, you know, <laughs> Michael, there Bain. is a lot of death very quickly. And, Bain, and again, so, yeah. yeah, there is a lot of death quickly. And again, I don't know, maybe somewhere like Universal could be a bit like, oh, is this a bit too risky straight away? Yeah, like, it's also it, war-torn Eastern Europe. Yeah, mm. maybe politically for them it's a but bit risky compared to Netflix. So. Good for the rest of us, though. Yeah. We get a, a global release and it's uh, a half-decent film, so that's yeah. great. Yeah, very good. So the, yeah, so basically out the, uh, the plot, plot, which I'll start off with, is we have uh, we start off with a beautiful shot that looks extremely artistic. It the does, colour grading yeah. on it, it, it looks like almost computer graphics. It does. But yeah, actually, it turns out they used on-location scenes with uh, a lot of practical effects for this show. Yeah, movie, not a show. <laughs> How uh, old but, are you, actually? Sorry, show. Yeah, well, <laughs> a theatre production. That's right. <laughs> so, so it, it has this uh, Delta team, you know, special forces fellow, yep. uh, moving in to you know search out a location where insurgents yep. are hidden. And he doesn't. Just, he decides not to wait for backup, and he moves in. Yeah, and he he's has a tough his, one. This guy. He has his hyperspectral goggles yep. on, so he's, yeah. his night vision, fancy pants, um, slightly science fictiony sort of goggles. Yeah. And he goes in, and he finds the insurgents are dead. They they sort of all seem to be killed. There's no bullet wounds, that sort mm. of thing. And he enters the room, and the swirl of strange sort of blue light yep. comes up, uh, and starts sort of moving oddly. He reports it back he to reports base. He reports it back to base and, and they tell him to have a look at it, see yeah. what it is. He pulls his, his mask up, his goggles up, he can't see it without You can't the see it in the normal vision. Yeah. Puts the goggles back down uh, and then it launches into him. And, and I think we just see a bit of a face yeah, as it goes through. We do, just a tiny face. Yeah. Uh, and that, of course, then leads us to, uh, what's his first name, Michael Klein? I think, I the think so, has. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's... And he's a DARPA researcher, engineer. DARPA. How, he's over in the acronym. States. He's, he's putting together this energy um, demonstration where yep. it flash melts a big block of ice. And the, uh, the military guys watching say, you know, shoot a, a living thing with this to find out what happens. Yep. My immediate response would be, you know, bullets are a lot cheaper yeah, yeah. than fancy you know, energy weapons. Uh, and so he has a bit of a debate with his boss who says, look, just shoot a, you know, a side of beef if you want. Yeah. That's not really a problem. They pay our bills. Yeah. And he goes, no, 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 I'm not really They, they that. debate. That's what I meant before. Like, it sort of debates. He, his boss says, well, Einstein worked for the government. He kind of quips yeah, back. Yeah, Einstein yeah, probably didn't like it. He probably it, didn't yeah. like that or that's not what everyone remembers. And, and you know, they're, they're kind of debating that ethical question, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, but it's pointed out then that he's the, he was the person who came up with the technology invention behind these goggles. Yes. 
and there's a request from a general in Moldova, I think yeah. they said. Yeah. But I only mentioned it once. They but, do, yeah. But it's some um, you know, generic ex-USSR Eastern Bloc yeah. uh, nation undergoing some sort of civil strife. Uh, I think we're just expected to lump it in there with the, the Sarajevos and the um, yeah. Ukraine. The stands. The, <laughs> the stands, stands that have had troubles uh, at, at various times. Yeah. And, you know, we've sort of got a bit of a memory of these things. So he goes along to that because he thinks, okay, uh, the goggles, that's that's not a weapon. Yep. It's actually helping people. Yep. That's good. And I can advise. Uh, he sees this. He gets there. He meets a CIA analyst, Fran. Yep who is there uh, because obviously the CIA is concerned that the enemy have some sort of weapon or an advantage. And she's working on the idea that it's active camouflage, which is something that is being worked on uh, by lots of people, a, a clo- cloaking device, yeah, I'd, basically. I'd, yeah, I'd imagine that would be. And that, and that has been uh, done to select wavelengths of light. Yeah, that's right. Which is not as useful as you might like, but it's kind of exciting. Yeah. And uh, he says, well, I need to have a closer look. So he gets lumped in with a Delta team. They all drive on these massive trucks and he has yeah. a big camera yeah. that is a high sensitivity version of the goggles yeah. that he has to operate, which is why yeah. he's going in there, of course. So he's, a, he's like a big uh, man on top of a, <laughs> of a military vehicle with a huge old kind of yeah. camera from the 1960s. Yeah, That's what it sort of looks a, like. Or a stage spotlight. Yeah, it's, you know, something of, it's this massive big thing, yeah. Barrel yeah. thing, yeah. So he goes there and uh, the Delta team uh, invade, is that the right term? Yeah, I think so. Breach? Well, they're, try, they're, they're trying um, to go rescue a crew, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're another got, team. A Delta team. Yeah. Another team has they're been... Utah, uh, Team Utah. Team Utah, they got pinned up in this building. So they're yeah. going to so, bust in this and building. And they think the insurgents have taken them. So they yeah. they believe in that they're, yeah, they're being held captive by the insurgents. But I think we all guessed that it wasn't yeah, the insurgents. Yeah, that's right. So we he, knew, we knew. He, so the team go in there and they find lots of dead bodies, insurgents and Utah. And they find uh, there's a bit of a scary moment there where they find yeah. an overturned bathtub where they're told that something is moving in there. Yeah. They flip it over and it's like one of the last surviving members of, of the team. Uh, and he's he's telling crazy stories about yeah. how everyone's dead and we're all really dead and yeah. whatever. And sure enough, they come across one of these spectral, they call them a hyperspectral anomalies. Yes. A ghost. Yeah. And um, yeah, the ghost proceeds to kill yeah, lots just, of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Running through them, touch, as soon as it like runs, it runs at them and touches them. They're basically just out cold. They're dead, and they're frozen as well, aren't they? That's their the other thing. Their, their organs are frozen from the inside out. So yeah. just it's a killer death, instant. These highly trained soldiers are just down. Yeah, the poor fellas. <laughs> and yeah, so they bust out and they, they come climbing out in a in a big uh, ordered retreat. Yeah. <laughs> Panic. <laughs> Let's face it; they're they're being chased by something they can't really see. Yeah. They well, try Cl- shooting. Klein sort of Klein straight away is saying, "Get them out! Get them out! Mm. Get them out!" You know, um, reminiscent of Ripley. Yeah. In Aliens. Whereas the captain's like, "Keep going! Keep going! Oh crap! Get out! Get out! Get out!" Yeah. And it's kind of a bit. And the analyst says, "Oh, we can't leave until we've got something. Yeah. Like, if we can't leave empty handed you are you crazy? Like nine people have just been yeah. instantly killed. You've had a whole team of soldiers already dead and then you've had another nine of your current soldiers die in front of you with this thing attacking you and you don't want to retreat. Yeah, so Klein okay. gets his camera going because he, yeah, I he think knows. he's also of the opinion that he doesn't want to leave without getting information yeah. because 
This yeah. is probably the last chance he's going to get. So he gets his camera out, has a bit of trouble with it, and manages to, to hook it up and sees this um, spectre come out. And we see yeah. a pretty good look at it. It's yep. distinctly uh, humanoid or a person. It sort of moves with, with flowing effects around it, it blurring does, yeah, around it blurring as it moves, it. but it, it looks at him. Yes. And you can see it's it's a human face yeah. and it has an expression. Yeah, so it's quite scary, quite and creepy. Then it, uh, yeah, his buddy runs in and shoots a rocket launcher at it, which blows everything. Yeah, blows a lot of stuff up, but doesn't hurt the, the spectral yeah. being, which then kills Klein's friend. Yep. So they um they finally all the soldiers are back in their trucks. Yep. And they hightail it out of there. As you'd expect, yeah, they got home safely. Uh, they found that it was all just a dream and um, went back to America. <laughs> the no, end, happily ever after. They hit some landmines. They do. They hit landmines land all the trucks in the middle of yeah. the, the, the heaviest insurgent-held yeah. location. They're stuck in there, yep. And so they had to get a run out of their trucks and they get chased by... Well, they don't actually... I don't think they're, they're not being chased, but yeah, I mean, the impression is we're no, in a danger zone. So They're yeah. hurrying. They're, they're yeah. moving with, it's a war with some zone. speed yeah. into a, a factory yep. where they go... Piling on in there, and they uh, sort of have out, a chance to yeah, regather. They, they and see out the window that there's something going on out in the field, and they they uh, have a look. They're looking through the camera, aren't they? Yes. And then they can see these. There's a whole bunch of these specters yeah. coming up, but they're getting stuck on this strange black sand. Yeah. Uh, and the, one of the guys says, oh, "I fell over," and then I was picking it out of my hand. So they look yeah. at his hand, and they find iron filings. Yeah. There's this is great big trail of iron filings all the way around the perimeter of the factory. Mm. And the spectral seem to be um, having trouble. It's obviously some sort of magnetic effect. It's, it sticks to them. It's stopping them in their tracks, yeah. It, uh, they don't seem to, I don't know if it's hurting them as such, but it's, it's discomforting them in some way and they, they like get stuck and they can't move through right. uh, So that's when they realise that somebody put that barrier down. So they search the factory and they find a couple of kids. As you expect, this is just a way of raising the stakes, making it a little bit more personal. Because so far, you've just had a few soldiers, nameless soldiers, who are wearing face masks. Yeah, really, basically. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. There's just that that one friend of Klein's who sort of died, but we didn't really know him very well much either. So now we've got a couple of kids in the mix. All of a sudden, now the soldiers are sort of, I suppose, seeing the personal side to it. They're not just trying to get out now for some military objective. They're trying to trying to get out now because they've got a couple of. Um, Youngsters, that they sort of they sort of joke around with and and come to like in the ten minutes that mm. they're in there. Uh, so they spend the night there and they decide to make like uh, little iron filing bombs. So they repurpose their grenades and other bits of explosives and so forth to make sort of iron filing packed pipe bombs. Mm. I liked that. It was and I think one of them said dirty bombs. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a great night. I was like, yeah. Like, but it's it's kind of one of those exciting moments, you it's know. An it's a, like an A team. It is, it is, great. it is. I like that, you know. Like I'm, we've seen that a lot in a lot of movies. You know, it's like coming together to defeat an unknown enemy, but then you know, there's oh, here's just something that might slow yeah, them down, and it's it's off kilter, of, you know. Bit of they, hope, yeah. And you see them all in that montage, and they build all those dirty bombs, and uh, and then when they actually were, they actually managed to alter the guns. I was impressed by that. I think, <laughs> I thought, I think wow. it was their, their grenade launchers. So they, they right, so they've, they they yeah. they they pulled bit, the grenades out and stuck. The, oh yeah. yeah, I'm not sure the technicalities of that. Yeah. Any, um, <laughs> I wasn't too sure because you saw them in the factory get all the 
all the glass jars and it was it was like oh yeah cool like little dirty bombs that they'll throw but then all of a sudden they were shooting them out of their guns yeah so. they they pulled their grenades apart to make these glass jar ones but then they they seem to have managed to redo their m203 yeah, grenade yeah. Launches, i'm not so. a gun expert but somehow they were firing them out yeah, of their guns so yeah. I've, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It makes for a good story. So, it does. Yeah. It's exciting to watch. It is. You know, that's Gives them something. Otherwise, because they were shooting them, shooting them, and nothing's yeah, happening. Yeah, nothing. That's it. So we had to have some sort of effect. In the, they, they organise in a, an escape, but they have to broadcast their, tra- their position, which they sort of go, well, we kind of have to do it because mm. what are we going to do? See here all day? Yep. And in the morning, they... Turn, they've turned their camera also. This, there's another funny thing into like a searchlight somehow. Yeah, yeah. He 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 Re- pulls it apart. <laughs> he and actually said, "I'm going to reverse the polarity." Of he, the did, he did. He yeah. did. Uh, that's if that's not one of the greatest sci-fi lines mm. to use. <laughs> and so, he shrinks it a bit, I think, doesn't he? It's kind of this huge lump and thing that he's walking around with. But yeah, then he, like, it's still big, but he he does. He makes it a bit more transportable. Yeah. A bit, a bit sexier, a little bit smaller. He's a powerful, as I said, he's, <laughs> he's a scientist engineer. Yeah, he's he can, doing stuff we don't get. He can do the whole lot. <laughs> and, and, yeah, so they turn it into a searchlight so they can actually see these things. Yeah. And they make their run out through uh, the streets and there's this running chase of specters yeah. come zooming out of windows. Are they, and like, jumping the power and... poles and stuff? Like, that's a really cool yeah, moment. Yeah, they like, they said they are affected by gravity, but yeah, not, not, not very the same. Much, it yeah. Seems. yeah, and uh, you mentioned before there's a nice reverberation behind them mm. in light, like they sort of jump, but it's almost like you know, it's like you're seeing a shadow of a of a light jump. You know, yeah, like, yeah it's cool. Yeah, so and they rush through and they they come across uh, the, the courtyard where they're supposed to be evacuated from. They just starting to get worried. These these monsters clinging uh, up around yeah. the edges. And then in rolls the tanks, and they've set up these big spotlights, which apparently he's able to teach them how to do it. Well, his torch stops. That's what happens, doesn't it? Oh, he's he's, he's, he's yeah, like, we're about. blind, we're blind. And then the tanks <laughs> roll in these big searchlights, yeah. which highlight these Highlight them all, and they're surrounded by them. And they this. shoot their tank guns yeah. off, and soldiers come running and shooting, which is kind of pointless. Very pointless. But one, one of the spectres comes running to go through the tank, and it crashes into the armor and bounces off. Yeah. And yeah, knocks the, the tank around a fair bit, um, but can't get through. And it sort of seems to be uh, having struggling like it does with yeah. iron. Yeah. It still totally smashes the tank to bits, yeah. but has to hammer it on it on the outside rather yeah. than just go inside and freeze everyone. Uh, and yeah, but the helicopter comes down, and interestingly enough, the helicopter backdraft, the wind coming out of the blades, yeah. slows these guys down and they can't. They're having trouble advancing against the wind. So that would explain why gravity doesn't affect them as much. They're mm. clearly made of something very lightweight. Yes. Able to be transported with enough force to smash a tank but can't go against wind. Yeah. I'm not. I'm sure that works out somehow. But the cool part is uh, old Michael Klein smashes all these glass jars of iron filings. Yeah. And the wind, the wind from flies the, uh, them into them. So from they're... the helicopter sort of flies into them and they all get knocked back and they manage to escape from the helicopter. Yeah. Whew. There's a lot of action there. There was a lot of action. And then those helicopters, they think they're getting back to base, but they don't. They drop them off at this weird uh, insurgent kind of place. Yeah. And it's actually a sort of a, a sanctuary or something for the civilians, like in the, a tunnel. And they have a little moment with the guards, but then they're allowed in and they start talking about, you know, what to do next. What, you know, what, what do we need to regroup? We need to gather what's going on. 
And um, the girl, she's injured as well, so she's going to have surgery. And she talks about her father dying in that scene. Yeah. Because the father was the one that did the iron barrier, uh, barrier yeah. at, the, at the building. And she tells them that, well... It all start. Her father told her through this little piece of paper, which is like a map of the city, that these spectres came from the power plant. That, yeah. that they sort of where they started appearing from to begin with, a period, a time period ago, whatever. And then they've sort of been growing out from there exponentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's when the the general arrives. Yep. And they think, ah, oh, right, reinforcements we're, we're going to be saved. Now it turns out he's only turned up with one. A platoon of yeah. men and a, a couple of sea containers out of the sky. Yeah, some equipment and stuff that he managed to scrounge <laughs> I'm not up. Not too sure where they came from, but they, all these some of these huge sea containters land. Yeah. I, I guess no, so. <laughs> whatever you know. The well, it's just explained that they were uh, yeah. The, the equipment they could grab. Most of the forces were retreating yep. out of the combat zone, but he came out with a platoon to sort of we'll head this way do. and yeah and. There's this moment of hope, oh, great, well, let's just get out of here. Yeah. They've only got 20 minutes of flight time. They just don't yeah. have much there. Yep. Uh, and it's about this time when everyone's feeling the most doom and gloom that the scientist suddenly has a brainwave. He does. He has a real aha. Which is an incredible jump he, he made. Uh, but I think it was sort of explained a bit by his earlier appearance working with uh, high-energy devices yeah. and lasers and... Uh, they didn't say it was a laser, you know, it was various sort of energy weapony type yeah. things. Yeah. Which meant, I, I'm guessing that's where he got his insight from. So he said these spectres are a different state of matter, an artificial or unnatural state of matter, which is man made and would need a lot of power, which would explain the power plant. Yeah. They called it a Bose Einstein condensate. He did. And he didn't really say much more about that except to say that it was a different state of matter, which. Um, would be stopped by ceramic. Ceramic's an option, it would yeah. Be cold and that's why and the guy in the bath survived in the yeah. bath because of the the ceramic bath. Yeah, I, I thought it was a it was a huge aha, but it made it kind of there was a major payoff for the fact that our hero in this story was and is a, a special scientist. Like this is his field. Yeah, you know, so it's sort of. The payoff for the whole thing because he's not really the action hero. He's a tough guy and he survives in the field with the soldiers, but he's not the guy blowing them apart and stuff. There's other soldiers doing that, you know, in the story. Yeah. And I think in that moment, there's enough of, you know, like I, 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 I'd gone along the story enough that I was like, this was a believable aha, you know, like I thought it yeah, was totally was- accurate that here's a guy, a scientist, and because he, he, he breaks it down as though he's like, well, if this is the case, they have to be man-made. And it's mm. that's the aha, isn't it? It's like they're not ghosts, they're man-made. Yeah. And I think um, Fran is still going on about the camouflage yeah. at this point in time. He's like, no, and even the soldiers are like, no, yeah, not the cam- camouflage again. Camouflage we know it's not the camouflage. Run through walls. Yeah, you know, because I think, actually, I think in that scene by memory, the one of, them, one of the soldiers said, well, no, camouflage wouldn't take a whole array of my bullets or something. Yeah, like it, the like, soldier is the one that answers that question. Yeah. So I think they did do well, like Klein being the scientist, being that this was sort of, you know, we know he's dealt with the UV rays and the, and the you know, the, the positivity of light. And, he, you know, he, he disassembled that, that light ray. And yeah. this is his field. And he's sort of like, he comes out. And I think he does quote Einstein, doesn't he, earlier in the film. So it's kind mm. of a little bit of a strong enough connection yeah, to it. It's, yeah, it's nice though that uh, 
for that for me it was like okay that's that's good i'm glad they didn't go down oh they just are ghosts that's right yeah yeah because in a way in fact they are ghosts yeah they are uh, as, as they, they point out at the end here when they uh they they use the equipment they got uh, yep. to manufacture some more weapons and they stuck the searchlights on top of their robot dogs yes uh, that was like awesome, those, that robot dog thing, actually. Yeah, have you seen the videos of those? The no, Boston no. Dynamics Oh, yes, dog? yeah, 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 that's oh, cool. Oh, it's a freaky-looking yeah. thing. It jogging is. Jogging along. So, I mean, this was a slightly more science fiction advanced yeah. version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the whole movie is slightly yeah. more advanced. Yeah. And, yeah, so they, they gear up, basically, a whole bunch of these. Because now they've got the plan. Now they know what they have to do. It is these plasma weapons, and they jump in their helicopters and... Get to the power station. There's a, a big showdown then, where they uh, are being charged by the specters, and they're setting up this like big gun, yep. and they're plugging in. Well, you know, they're like camera batteries. Yeah, they probably probably are. They, they are some sort of batteries from their field equipment. Yeah, they're plugging it in, and they line it up, and then kapow! There's this huge explosion, and everyone's sort of knocked around, and this specter is diffused. Yes. And so they go, woo, it works. It works. And they land all their soldiers down and start storming. Yep. Which I thought was like, well, you've got helicopters. Why wouldn't you just like fly to where you need to be? <laughs> Luckily, that's exactly what they did. That's right. So that was just a diversionary tactic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which, you know, pleased me no end because mm. it would have just seemed silly. Why just start so far away? <laughs> that's right. And slowly march forward. This is yeah, the yeah. 1600s. Yeah. So, yeah, they dropped off the... Um, you can at least get 20 minutes closer. That's what we were yeah. told. Those helicopters can go 20 minutes. So, yeah. come on. <laughs> well, so instead, you know, the, the scientist fellow and the core team of uh, Delta team who was with initially, they get dropped off right in the Right in the heart guts. of it, yeah. And they go down and they get split up when they encounter a spectre, but they into two different groups. So uh, Klein and Madison, the, yeah, the CIA agent, they got off to on their own. And they found their way into the lab where the spectres are being created. And they go through and they discover that they were like almost 3D printing these yeah. critters. And they go, oh, this is, this is terrible. We've got to yep. find a way of turning this off. Yep. And they walk through into the next part and they find what reminded me of the Lego movie Think Tank. <laughs> you know, it's like, or maybe you could say the Matrix, but I, I thought Think Tank. So it's a great big vault filled with uh, glass-fronted sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah. And in, in each and, one of them yeah. was one of these spectres yep. in a miserable yep. and unhappy state. Yep. But a whole bunch of them have been cracked open yeah. by seismic activity or warfare or yeah. whatever. And these guys, these spectres had escaped and all the scientists were dead. Yeah, everyone so working. So clearly it was, it was a weapon that got out of control. Yep. Uh, and uh, they have to unplug the. They get there's this, like some instructions. They found a dead scientist was on his way to turn it off, but he yeah. died. And they found the instruction manual which said you got to unplug these things and pull a lever. Yeah. And um, yeah, long story short, with the usual, you know, dramatics and yeah, there's the tension. Making, there's the tension between the soldiers fighting to their death. Yeah. And them sort of heading oh, yeah, to unplug them as they're going along to do this unplugging. We find that the soldiers are shooting down the spectres, and the spectres are disincorporating. Yeah, but then they start they start re they yeah, start, yeah. start coming back again. So, so they're sort of it's a losing battle. Yeah, and, and, not, and then they they're, not they're on the back foot now, yeah. and, and then Fran wants to keep them. 
Yeah, Fran's <laughs> like, well, we're here now. Why don't we keep a few of them? You know, yeah, like, yeah, we was... can use this technology. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's that tension building, isn't it? Today? Yeah, and they, they managed to unplug these plugs and pull yeah. a thing just at the last moment. That's right. And that basically ends the spectres. They sort yeah. of freeze in motion and just slowly drift and just dissipate. Yeah. And, uh, it's quite, quite a dramatic and yeah. quiet moment. It is. And then they find where these people were controlling the spectres from yeah. or they're just the central nervous systems yes of people in these yeah again sarcophagus on yeah. the ground and they this client says oh look, they're in pain we should pull a plug on them and madison says how do you know and he just kind of gives you a bit of a look and looks down and says that's pain yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would have said all they are is a central nervous system yeah, that's right. all they can do is feel pain that's right, that's right. at this stage that's and and all I, got. I think he's line, he has a line something like which was really quite nice. Um, they're not here and they're not there. Like they're in, you know, they're in between. Yeah, he, he brings back that yeah, war ghost. That's right. You know, so he's somewhere again, between life and death. Yeah, I don't think they actually said it, but no, I wanted to say, and they were created out of war. That's right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they, it's they, kind they, of time to let them go. You know, pull the plug on them and they dissolve, and yeah, so everyone meets back at the base and they have that sort of well that's all done and the soldiers are kitting back up to go back out in the field mm, i suppose back to the insurgents <laughs> like yeah like war machines they are yeah and then that's when france is that they're disassembling and deconstructing everything and yeah. figuring out measuring it all and and our hero gets in a chopper and flies off and we're yeah. left with that feeling of are they just going to have this exact same problem occur again or yeah yeah i don't know yeah that i think i agree like the feeling at the end of the film was a bit like you know, it's probably just going to happen again, like another war or, you know, that, that again, I guess, suppose that idea of a warning, isn't it, that this is what happens because of war. Yeah, and, at what point when you, uh, at the point where you devalue human life and experience to the point where it's just a weapon. Yeah. Yeah, but they, I saw they sort of made a bit of a uh, comparison though with the Delta Force soldiers who just immediately re-equipping and yeah. going back to it and he's, he makes a point that they just don't stop, do they? No, no. Yeah. And you sort of go, well... Yeah, they're, that's a they're, soldier. They've just been turned into weapons, and yeah. they just keep rolling on that's until right. they're that's right. until they're ended. That's it. Yep, yep. For them, that's everything. It's just being a soldier. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a shame, really. <laughs> War doesn't solve everything. But actually, sorry. one of the actors in there. What's his name? Uh, oh, it's like Max. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember his name. So he's one of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at his previous roles. All soldiers. <laughs> you know, he's a yeah. sergeant in this yeah. one. He's a lieutenant in that one. Is it? But it's it's just like okay, that's his niche, and he's just like a whole lot of movies where he's a soldier and a documentary series and a soldier. It, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, a couple of those soldiers that in that group in that Delta Force. I mean, they were freaking soldiers, weren't they? I mean, they were they, buff. They totally they, looked at. They totally looked at. They their face, their eyes. I, f- I felt like I'd seen them as soldiers. Like, I don't know. Like, that's probably it. And that's what they do in a lot of casting anyway. They're like, well, you've been a soldier before. You can be a soldier again. Like, you yeah, know, a lot of actors talk about that, like the typecasting, don't they? You know, yeah, well, it's like, it happens in uh, in most places. Like, yeah. certainly in, in IT, I work heavily with one particular technology. I go for another contract and it's really difficult to get out of that because people look at me and go, oh, you've got 10 years experience doing that. Yes, but right. I really want, I want to do this other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but we're paying you and we we'll want you to you do, do the that thing same that thing. you do really good. 
That's very true. Do that good thing, please. You were so good as a soldier number three in uh, Predator, so why don't you be a soldier number three in Spectral? Okay. We'll give you a few Spend more. 20 years in between, people. <laughs> or 30, whatever it is. A few, a few yeah. extra lines to yeah, say. This yeah, this time yeah. you got a few lines. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess you, you get a job and you get paid, so. That's um, right. It's That's probably, right. probably fun too. Yeah, yeah. I'd say it'd be fun. It'd be fun to do all these things. Okay, so viewing experience. How did you go about watching this? Library uh, by yourself? No, I actually watched this with my wife last um, recently before this recording, very recently. A little bit left to the late minute for this one. Um, yeah, so I got to see it on the big screen and, uh, you know, we both sat both sat through it and it was very, you know, both enjoyed it. I think we sort of freaked out in a couple of those moments and then also kind of cheered them on in other moments. So, yeah, it was a pretty straightforward, you know, like, just viewing it, yeah, I didn't. Mm. Yeah, um, I think overall this particular film, I, I'm I'm sort of leaning it a bit more towards action. If if I don't know what yeah. you're thinking, but I'm, it, it, the crux of the story is very sciencey, like a science fiction should, and then it's also a little bit horror because it's ghost. But I, but being the military side of it and and the weaponry, mm. but even the way, and I'll talk a bit about this later. But even the way the film was shot, it was it was very much like an action film, like a game really, like a point, like a shooter game to oh, me. Like sure. it was it was very intense, those action moments. They didn't hold back from the guns and the, like the tanks and the explosions well, and the all that. The you know? director was a, an advertisement, a commercial director. Before. Right. This is his first yeah. feature this film. This is his first film, yeah. I and that. I'm wondering, I haven't looked up to see what commercials he's done, but I got the feeling that he's done a car Commercial, like right. some of the way the shots, a lot of panned, quick slick, and the the way that the camera would move. Uh, there's there's one scene where Klein is walking into the he's walking through the DARPA offices, and the pans following along, and then it sort of stops, and as he walks towards it, it rotates to follow him. He enters the corridor, and then it follows him behind the corridor, like just very one smooth shot, very reminded me of those sort of car commercials where mm. someone's. Getting yeah, gear yeah. together and getting That's a little right. car, and that the camera's always moving cool car, to give yeah. you that sense of motion. But it's also a very Michael Bay type of thing. With yeah, he's he's very fond of camera moving, then something in the background moving the opposite direction, and, right. the, and the actors moving in the other direction. Mm. So you sort of get these parallax uh, yeah. parallax layers of motion going yeah. on. So it's sort of that sort of feeling, which definitely lends that action. Yeah, it felt more actiony to me than definitely any of the films we've been analysing so far for Space mm. Brains. And just, just yeah. I, so I think just the feeling the film gave uh, my wife and I was just a bit more, yeah, high intensity that way, you know. And, and it did feel like I was watching, kind of felt like I was watching a bit of a, a point of view shooter game in a way, like mm. unfolding. Obviously, not playing it, but just just being more involved. And a lot of that, yeah, action sequence with the with the camera. We were involved in that war, you know, and um, the way the soldiers reacted to the ghosts, kind of thing, you know. I mean, and that's the thing. Like even with the ghosts, I suppose uh, if you take Alien, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, again, the ghosts could have been shot just enough to kind of be really creepy. Mm. But this film, you know, there was a creepier element, but pretty quickly it was more. I would say in the open, you know, what yeah, the ghost it was, was. It was just a, it was a, blatant, a horde of them sort of yeah. shooting along through the streets. So it wasn't so much scary. It was, it was You were worried about who's going to die and are they going to get them in that moment, but it was it was more in that action, you know, a big bunch of bad guys coming at them with weapons as well, yeah. you know, so it was kind of more a standoff 
yeah situation. So it's not a bad thing at all, but I, <laughs> to me it just to um, me it just felt that's right. Yeah, no. So just it felt more like a big bad action film. How about yeah. you? How, how was your experience? Yeah, same thing. Watched it uh, the other night with my wife. We're watching. Uh, it had I knew it had a nice mix of action and suspense because you'd seen this before right yeah yeah, yeah. quite a while ago yeah and um, and my wife was holding a hand up to block the view she can't <laughs> she can't take suspense yeah yeah uh, so i knew there must have been some tension there i i think i'm less sensitive yes yeah yeah for whatever reason there's been a couple of movies that have have had me on edge um, yeah there's one in particular, the I Am Legend, when oh, yeah. his dog has run into the thing and yeah. he's looking for his dog. Oh, God. Because yeah. I yeah. knew that they weren't going to kill him. Yeah. But his poor dog, I didn't want to see the poor dog suffer. No. And and well, so I was, well I was we quite, shouldn't spoil it anyway, sorry. We, maybe that's a film for the, <laughs> Yeah, that is a awful But yeah, so we watched that and yeah, I, it's the same sort of thing. There was, there was um, quiet and then there was like the... When they're loading up all the weapons, they're like, "Oh yeah, they should do this. Yeah, they should do that. Oh yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah. Why are they doing that? Oh my goodness, you know that sort of yeah, yeah. Getting, yeah, like so you're getting sort of involved in it. Yeah, and you feel as if and even like you said before, with the plot point of them escaping and then they're in their tanks and then the oh landmines, you know, yeah. it's like boom. Now your now your trucks are done. You're you're, you're stuffed now. You got to go on foot and then they're on foot and we've been told they're in the war torn. You know, they're right in the thick of it. So it's like ah. <laughs> There's no breathing space in the film, I suppose. Yeah, in that way. Oh well, that, that's going to bring me to my best scene. Okay. Best scene for a total sort of scene. It's that escape from the factory through to the uh, courtyard. Yep. That I think was was very very exciting. Yep. It was sort of on edge, and and they had their their grenades that they were using to the dirty bombs. try and slow them down, <laughs> and so you've got this feeling that. If they just get like a good shot in there, yeah. they could they could really get some advantage yeah. here, and they never quite got no. the shot in. They got a couple there where where the spectres got held back. Yeah. Then one of the guys gets killed, but yeah, you had the real strong, really strong feeling of a, a flowing chase yes. with this this enemy which just kept coming at them, coming just mm. flying out of windows and doors yeah. and around corners. And it was only illuminated by the light. Mm. So the, the spotlight would move about the place. So you'd see a whole bunch down the street and it would swing back away and it would and come back. Nothing, yeah. And then they've, they've moved and they're in all the different yeah. spots. And so it was, it was a great sort of charge down into that central courtyard where they're then left without their light. Yeah. And they can't see it and they just, it sort of goes a bit quiet. Yep. And they're like, well, we're blind. We can't see what's going on. All up to there. That was, it was very good. So it really, it really had a good balance of, as I said, They've got some ability to affect them, but you know it's not enough. Yep. But is it enough for them to get out? Because they're, they're dragging these two kids along. Yeah, that's right. One of the one of the kids unfortunately does die, which I think is designed to to really ramp up that that's tension right, yeah. and, and bring that the truth of it. Yeah, that yeah, that sort of horror of the situation. It's not just sort of fun and games. They're not really yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah. So it was, that was my best scene. Yeah. An honor, honourable mention, though, actually, is just the opening scene where we see the overpass and the trash Yeah, cars. it's beautiful, wasn't it? That? And these guys, just this one person is walking through there. It really is they're so beautiful to look at, mm. and it really set the scene. You it immediately did. knew it was, uh, you know, a war-torn European place because of the architecture. And the same thing you could tell is a bit futuristic because of the colour grading. It, yeah. was, it had that sort of... Louis Grays. They did the cold again. Yeah, a bit that, cold. Sort of an intensity to it. Yeah. You know, which which 
rather than that sort of greys and dusty reds which you might get with a modern time, yeah, modern yeah. setting. And the other, the other scene was they're approaching the power station. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a again, it's just beautiful uh, concrete sort of almost frightening looking mass yep. with these strange prongs out into the yeah it's river. cool that power plant actually you've sort of reminded it me it just it just looks like almost like a, a spaceship it did it's, didn't it yeah it was just it was just like such a beautiful apparently mm. most of that is all real yeah like yeah. um it's only been sort of touched up and highlighted a bit yes yeah. so, no so, I, I saw that myself looking at it um that they shot this uh in budapest hungary mm. and they did rely a lot on using those settings and you've mentioned it like bringing in props and stuff so which surprised me a little bit because it, it felt like when i was watching it uh it I, I was impressed by the cityscape and that but i thought oh probably a chunk of this is digital but no like that yeah they actually did pull it off mm. yeah so obviously that's where all that money went yeah <laughs> that you were talking about before because they didn't use big actors and stuff like that um, I loved, as you're saying, that chase scene, but when they did, and we've talked about it pretty heavily, the courtyard scene. And the reason I think I loved it more than anything was, um, so they're all, you know, all those spectres are coming in and they're kind of like, he, his light goes out. And so it's a nice moment where he says to the captain, we, we're, we're in the dark, we're blind, you know, and you sort of think, yeah, you're, you're fighting a creature that you need those glasses and then the big tank rolls in and because he r- relayed back to base, you need these lights to see them, it's got a massive torch on it. And so all of a sudden they're surrounded in that mm. courtyard uh, and it's a beautiful old courtyard, isn't it? It's like got a big water fountain in the middle. I was really taking it in with soldiers on horses. Yeah. You know, there's like four soldiers. And, of course, this thing then starts getting blown apart, you know, the statues and stuff. And it's that real, I mean, it's like World War Two. You know, it's, it reminds me of those World War Two movies where, you know, there's a big sniper shootout in a courtyard or something like that. Um, so I really liked that. But then I did also like uh, the Spectre, you know, he bowls into a tank and the to- tank starts getting flung around, but he's also getting flung backwards. But we do and see... And confused. Yeah, his face is like, why isn't my power working, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that was a nice touch, like I said earlier, like when we first see the very first Spectre as well, he's killed all these soldiers, he's come down... And we see his face, like when Klein sees yeah. his face and he's kind of like, oh, what's going on here? You know, like these guys have characters. And again, it's implying that they are people uh, pretty early on. They're not creatures. There's something, you know, there's something else. So I, I liked that tank scene. I thought that was a pretty cool scene. And you mentioned as well that I, I was thinking they're, they're not getting out of here. And then when the helicopters come, the, the, the whoosh of the helicopters, the force is holding them back and Klein does a pretty cool thing with finally the dirty bomb yeah. where he just kind of like implodes it into, he throws his whole rack off doesn't he, he? he pulls his, his whole, his whole belt off, yeah, off <laughs> that reminded me of a 1980s action film hey yeah. like just unbuckling a belt with uh you know 10 grenades on it you go, take this <laughs> take this motherfuckers and you just throw it into them sort of thing and again that explosion of the iron filters which is pretty cool and I think you'll probably talk a bit about the science in a moment but yeah, that, that is the science of this this science, isn't it? Is mm. the iron is is a key element to it. We ha- we have mentioned obviously towards the climax of the film, but yeah, I think to me I described it that that scene where they do find the humans and their nerve sense, like it's three D printers. That's what it's kind of like. Yeah, it had that you little know, it, little robotic arm yeah, thing to doing be something. Everything and slowly yeah. there's like a half a spectre that's so gross on one level and on another i was really like wow that's cool you know that's really cool and i liked that 
again, Fran was kind of like, oh, let's keep this. Man, this is so <laughs> and cool. he's like, no, like they're, they're not in between these, you know, this is, this is ugly. This is horrific. You well, know, I think people, initially you know, they, like, they were thinking it was a manufactured thing. Yeah. And then he finds real, a scan. Yeah, he is. He's seeing files he's like, of oh, people, they're, isn't he? They're scanning people. And then they go down and see the box and they go, Oh, they're not just, they no. didn't just take photographs of people no, and then recreate them. These are the people. These are the people. Yeah. And because you mentioned before as well, when we see the the glass prison where some have escaped and some, like the spectres are, they're in there, they're locked in, you know, and these were just normal people. They're, they're war yeah, you could victims see them. They're, they're and they're pissed off and, and they're, they're angry and they're, yeah. they're frustrated. I mean, they've been locked away for who knows how long. So I, I liked that um, that they were in there and that, that whole little sequence was kind of a nice um, revealing at that moment. And then the other thing which we sort of mentioned as well before is just very early at um, the American uh, Science Lab and when we have that, uh, you know, Klein shows his experiment off, you know, the water, the ice turns to water and the DOD official says, can you try this on living things? And he replies, that wasn't our intent here. He said, well, we'd like you to test it. And he says, any volunteers? Yeah, any volunteers. That's good. <laughs> it was such a good line from No, the they'd fact, be hideously painful. Yeah, and they sort of like, they chuckle because yeah. they're, the, you know, they're, the mili- they're the higher up politicians, military, whatever they are. I, li- I really liked that scene because a lot of films... We do have that ethical debate, but it's that that particular in this film that scene, you know, we're on Klein's side and we're kind of like, yeah, right. So his bosses are sort of saying, yeah, come on, use this, you know, like, yeah, come on, blow up a person. <laughs> we want to see this blow up a person. What does it do to a person, you know? So and him quipping like that was really nice. I thought so. Even though that was very early in the film, I liked that. That was a scene that kind of went boom to me. Yeah. Did you have any worse scenes? I'm I'm trying to think. I don't think it was really worst scenes. There was a head scratcher for me, which I understand why it was put in there. When they're all going off for the final battle, they're taking off the helicopters and the camera swings back and we see the general standing there looking stoic and proud or whatever. And the refugee girl. Yeah. And she gets a strange little smile and he's like, why is she out with the general? Gen- yeah, no, like, there's no connection there, is there? No. Yeah. Oh, and the reason... I can think of to do it from a story point of yeah. view is to remind the audience those two that are staying. it's not just a military thing. It's yeah. also a person. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's this real connection there, but I could also just sort of imagine that that was like, and that was when she knew she would be president. You know, <laughs> you know that's yeah, sort of yeah. what it looked like. She sort of, yeah. the look she gave us, so like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. If there's a sequel, she's going to be a leader yep. in the sequel. I yes. The, the one scene, I just was like, ugh, I, I didn't like. Very early when Klein is, he arrives at the base, the Delta crew. So it's like, oh, here's the doctor, the scientist, and here's the soldiers. Yeah. And straight away the soldiers are like all up in his grill. You yeah, know, like, we're me- soldiers, you're a nerd. You're messing you know, like, with our stuff. You're, you've, you've ripped off a, I think he had taken off a weapon off the tank kind of, whatever that truck tank thing was, whatever you call them. And he'd been putting on his big light camera thing, <laughs> his 1970s cam- TV camera. And uh, so he was placing that all up. But but they got in his face like it was high school, like the jocks and the nerd. And mm-hmm. it was very stereotypical. But even that wasn't too bad. But then the captain came in and he's all protective of Klein. Yeah. But the way he did that, and look, this is just writers being writers, 
but he unleashed a verbal spray of why we should respect Klein. And it, to me, it just went on for way too long. Like yeah. he's saying, those goggles, they saved your life. They've saved your lives a hundred times. He he's the, the one that invented them. And that armor that's protecting your junk, he made that junk. <laughs> and, it was like, and this light he's put on the tank's going to see, you know, and it went on for about five minutes. It was a five minute speech. And I just was kind of sitting there by the end of going, oh, so you've just told me everything about Dr. Klein. You know, like it was... It was a bit too obvious for me. There's also to introduce like, him as a friend who's yeah, worked with friend before. And so when he dies later on, there's a, there's a but feeling. there was kind of nothing there yeah, when that when, happened. when so. he did die because you're freaking out. It took me a little thing. while to realise who it was. Yeah, yeah, so, to be honest. Because oh, he was all wrapped up. I thought up it was just some random dude with a, with a rocket launcher. But. <laughs> That's cool. You know, but I, I, the rest of the film, I didn't feel any other scenes stood out to me too much. But... Um, as scenes I didn't like, but just that one, oh, it just kind of starts to make your skin crawl. You think, come on, you've got to hide a bit of that in there, you know? And it could have been revealed in different ways. So, sorry, this film is based on some real damn science, Einstein. Well, you're kind of real science. <laughs> it is science it's fiction. It's based, it is fiction, of well, course. Well, the but... really cool thing they do talk about, which is very exciting, is the Bose-Einstein condensate, yeah. which is a, or you, you could say... It's, it's probably occurs naturally somewhere, yeah. but not anywhere that we are going to go. Uh, so the basis of it is if you take a particular type of particle, and they're called bosons. An example of a boson, for example, would be deuterium, which is one proton and one neutron. Uh, so that's helium too. And you cool that. Down. It also covers like photons and the yes. Higgs boson, yeah, which yeah. gives mass, and the gluons, which the strong nuclear force but in, in something that we can actually work with well let's talk about helium and if you cool it down and you cool it down in a near vacuum so we're talking about one one thousandth of it's basically as close to a perfect vacuum as you can get a hold of but right. you've got a few of these atoms the, the important thing is when you're cooling it down normally if you cool down atoms they um, don't move much because they get colder like Heat is basically kinetic energy of an atom. And if there's too close together, they'll bump into each other and they'll tend to hang around each other and then they'll condense into a liquid and then a solid and you'll get you know, liquid helium, solid helium. Um, that's not what you want because that's useless to us. But if you have it in a, you know, a sparse enough vacuum, these atoms don't get a chance to form into liquid solids. A very interesting thing happens at very close to absolute zero. So absolute zero is... If you were to say take an atom and you measured how energetic it was, that's basically its temperature. And if you reduce the temperature, then you can graph out how much it moves around, how energetic it is at each point. And then if you draw, take a ruler and draw a line through that, you'll get one end of it going upward to you know, superheated, um, like plasma type stuff. And the other end of the line will drop down until it is movement, its energy state is zero. So right. it'll cease to exist because it just simply won't be energy anymore. So that's what absolute zero is. So you, you cool something down to a very close to absolute zero uh, in a vacuum. And the very exciting thing that happens at this state is in an absolute vacuum, there's not really an absolute vacuum. You've got the zero point energy is actually an average energy. Right. So you could imagine um, we're talking about an atom and it moves, it vibrates slightly, moves from one energy state to another. And if you get it close enough to zero, it might be at plus 0.1 degree Kelvin and minus one. 
and it'll swap between these states. And in minus one, it doesn't exist. It's not there. It's, it's gone. And so you, you can end up then with a, a, an atom or a particle whose um, quantum field waveform, which describes its position and energy, is fluctuating between existence and non-existence and its average probability field, its size, encompasses the other atoms you have. So it just sort of flattens out until they're, rather than interacting on the macro scale, which is where we normally have Newtonian physics, they're interacting only at the quantum level. Right. So their, their waveforms can be viewed then as a single quantum field of existence. Uh, at any given time, half of it will be in state one, which might be positive half the state zero, which is negative. So you end up with this very weird state of matter which um, shares a single uh, quantum field but over a macro scale. Normally we're talking you know, quantum effects you know, down an electron level type of thing, but this could be in a box. Or in the case of the movie, some sort of a, a prison. And being that it has this one shared quantum field, well, what does that mean when we're talking about observability? And this is, I don't know. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know. But I guess what they're going in here with is the ability then to sort of project a human consciousness into this condensate. Yeah. Which leads me to the other bit of connecting research, which is kind of a bit speculative, but it's gaining um, its you know, um, research, regaining data, and that's called quantum consciousness. As a quantum consciousness, then, is a, uh, a theory. It's actually called uh, ORC, O-R, or something. I can't remember what that exact stands for. But the theory is this fellow, Hammer... Oh, dear, I've got to get him. Hammeroff. He's this American anesthetist, or anesthesiologist, as they call it, and neuroscientist. He's... Heavily studied, basically removing people's consciousness. That's what anesthetists do when you go into a general. And he says this is a very interesting state because it's not like sleep. In sleep, if you stimulate the body, you can still detect a reaction in the mind. The brain is mm. still yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, you can wake someone up, for example. Yeah, yeah. When someone is properly anesthetized, they they do not have consciousness. They yeah. don't have a sense of time passing. And I've I've been on a general, and yeah, yeah. sure enough. It's your your no stuff is happening, and then just everything starts at a later time. That's right. Whereas when you go to sleep, you wake up and you have a sense of time having passed. You do, don't you? Because yeah. uh, it's not unconsciousness when you're asleep; it's actually yeah. just an altered consciousness. Yeah. But anesthetists actually make you totally unconscious. So it's going well. What is it then? How is it that these drugs can remove consciousness? So what is consciousness? Mm. And his theory basically goes along the lines of that consciousness is, shall we say, a side effect of quantum waveform collapse. So a typical quantum physicist might say that we don't know a final state of something until we observe it, and then it will collapse to being in a particular We'll be able to observe its location. Maybe a Schrodinger's cat, we don't know if it's alive or dead until we open the box and look. Now we know whether it's alive or dead. He's it's Hammeroff, and he's he's teamed up with a um, a theoretical physicist, a mathematical physicist of some considerable brain power, 
Uh, <laughs> oh, it's orchestrated objective reduction. That's what the orc OR is. Penrose, Roger Penrose. And they've come together and they've said, well, what if it's the other way around? What if it's not your observation that causes the wavefront to collapse, but rather the wavefront collapsing causes consciousness mm. or observation? Uh, and, well, the problem with this would be we'd need to have some sort of a structure in our body and our brain able to observe quantum uh, events. Mm -hmm. And so this was a big pile of magic at the time. He's putting it together through the 80s and 90s and things. But more recently, they discovered we've got these things, microtubules. So in our, in our brain cells, we've got the, uh, the, um, the main body and then we've got the axon, uh, which goes along, which goes axon and dendrite. But yeah, you, you've got the little sticky outy bits, which yes. transmit, and then there's a synaptic gap where uh, electrolytes, you know, um, ions travel across to transmit messages. And the typical view is that's what causes our brains to function. Uh, and we can sort of map that. We've, we've got computer programs to simulate a certain amount of that, but it doesn't tell us about consciousness. Inside those structures, wrapping the um, cords are these microtubules. Microtubules also then form sort of the skeletal makeup, if you like, of cells, even down to bacteria. One thing they're looking at, for example, as an example, is the, oh, what's it called? Uh, par paracillium? Oh, I'm going to get that wrong. <laughs> Let's just set a single cell amoeba. Obviously, it's got no brain. It's got no central nervous system. It's just a cell, but it moves, it eats, it reproduces, it moves away from danger, moves towards food. It's right. making decisions, it's responding yeah. to its, its environment. So what could it, how, what structure would allow it to do this? And it's got lots of little cilia, which are actually made of these microtubules, which are about 25 um, micrometers across. So they're, they're small enough that we're looking at um, individual molecules of things passing through them and um, quantum effects. And there's some research, for example, which has shown, and it's not been fully reproduced or peer-reviewed, but it shows it acts as a form of semiconductor, like a computer. So it will become very conductive or very resistive uh, preceding and post-seeding um, synaptic events, which who knows what that really means, but the point is that it is interacting so it will do something and seemingly cause the synapses to fire. And the vice versa, a synapse will seem to cause this to change its electrical conductivity, which is very interesting. So the idea here there is that you've got events like, you know, a, a, a boson assigned condensate, for example, or zero-point energy flux, where you've got a pure vacuum and suddenly you've got uh, an electron and a... Uh, positron appear. So matter and antimatter will appear and instantly annihilate, or they'll appear and they'll go off in different directions. And that's down to quantum event. And that, that quantum event will actually cause someone to observe it. So that our stream of consciousness is actually us interacting with or being interacted upon by a universe appearing around us in some way. So it's certainly very interesting research. It's, it's quite speculative as you can imagine because it's it's saying this one thing we don't understand which is consciousness is explained by another thing we don't really understand which is the observer effect mm. 
But we do have some, some evidence. So, for example, uh, chlorophyll, when you have photosynthesis, a photon will hit a leaf with chlorophyll in it. And there will be multiple pathways that this energy, you know, it hits an atom, uh, hits a molecule which releases uh, a little carrier signal which hits something else um, and gives it energy mm. to form starch you know, chains so yeah. that plant can, can um, either break down or create starch. But when, they me- when you measure the total energy throughput, it's more efficient than pure chaos would tell you. And so one of the, and one of the effects I've noticed is that the gaps over which the photon hits and allows this signal to pass is smaller enough that sometimes the wave um, size of the observable quantum wave form of the signaling molecule is, or signaling particle, means it can travel over more than, you know, it has the possibility of passing through more than one option. Mm-hmm. And it will take the option which gets it observed on the other side fastest, which makes it more efficient than you know, um, Newtonian physics would dictate. So yeah. they sort of said that it is true that life is operating at this using quantum effect in order to live and operate. And there was another one as well I was thinking of that was, I can't remember it now. <laughs> anyway, so, so it's quite fascinating there when we're talking about this Bose-Einstein condensate in the movie, of course, uh, it requires a near-absolute vacuum and contact with anything or heat yeah. above anything close to absolute zero will basically cause it to stop being yeah. what it is. It'll turn into suddenly your helium will congeal into ice, Yeah, for example. But that being said, clearly they had come up with it as futuristic and they had yeah. a lot of, they did have a lot of power, so they'd be able to do the cooling. That's right. And um, they've got deuterium. They've, they've got heavy reactors there. Yes. They'd be able to get as much of that as they want. Yeah. Uh, so all you have to do then is do that little bit of science fiction hand wave a bit and saying they found a way. Yeah, that's right. To project consciousness mm. into the condensate yep. which gives it form because it's when they disconnected all of the brains from the system that these start to dissipate that's right so one plus one equals ghosts yeah <laughs> but that's what i like about this movie yeah. is that it would have been so easy to have left it as this unknown or it really could have been the spirits of the, the yeah. dead from the war yeah. but they said no and it sort of is really and, and you could say then uh, the legend, the Aratara, I think they're called. Yeah. There's a, the local legend of these ghost spirits could well stem from natural occurrences in mm. some fashion, maybe over short periods yeah. of this effect. That's right. Entirely, entirely um, sort of wraps up nicely. And that's what I like about this movie. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the I, I saw just looking into it that the director, Nick, again uh, said that you know, they, 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 he deliberately made it not a time setting of the film because of that technology, you mm-hmm. know, that the film kind of leads of what's happening, that, well, this war, et cetera, could be 15 years from now, it could be 30 years, it could be 50 years. Yeah. And the, you know, so, so it opened, you know, opened the door that, of course, technology keeps evolving and that maybe this is possible. And it is also implied in the film with the, the constant camouflage idea that, well, scientists are working for military all the time. And again, all it takes is one particular government to pour enough money into an experiment 
and you might end up with something like this, right? You know, especially for a war, you know. So we again at the start of the film, we have in America this guy saying, "Well, have you tried it on a person?" You know, I mean, this is what the military does apparently. That's their job. That's their job. They keep sort of pushing things. So, you know, anyway, he did say that idea that well, obviously it pushes the science, but you know, it it could be. 30 years from now and who knows, you know? Yeah, it, it does it less so than some movies. Yeah. And and the other thing is uh, even I, what I liked is they did go to that effort of explaining that science. You know, they did base it on that theory mm. and took it to another level, whereas, of course, we can have other films. You could have the same film spectral where they never actually explain that. They could yeah. have just said oh, they were experimenting on these humans and these humans, they were taking their energy source but not tell us anything about the Einstein theory, you know? Yeah. Like they just they just say, oh, well, that's just what they've done, you know? Like it's not... Whereas they sort of pushed it, they gave us a, enough... It reminded me a bit of the beyond that, you know, that idea of there was a lot of science being explained in the yeah. film in a good way. Um, so what about some technicalities of the filmmaking? What did you pick up there? Yeah. So I think it was a good question at the heart of the story, you know, the idea of war, the negative effects of war, the locals thinking that, well, these strange creatures are the ghosts of war, they're stuck in there. You know, war's nasty and they were picking on that. I think, again, like we've talked about pushing science during wartime, I think there was a good sort of reason for that. And on one side of the fence, you know, it's, it's hard to sell a bit of a story with a scientist as the lead. Mm. You know, quite often scientists... They can be a scientist, but they're also, well, they're a jacked up action hero as well. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this guy wasn't, you know, and even if you take the classic like Indiana Jones, like he's the professor, nerd on one side, archaeologist, but then he is a tough adventurer on the other side, yeah. doesn't he, you know? So it kind of, you know, it equals itself out. He can be a bit of both. Um, so it is a tar- hard sell, but I think it paid off in that, because he was such a scientist, that's kind of the question of the film. You know, it's based on that science. So I liked that. I liked that. Um, the director also said that, you know, they, they'd sort of created the, the crux of the story. They had it. And then they they did do that research. And they thought with um, the spectrum and the condensate idea was interesting because, well, we wanted to play with light in mm. the creatures and if you think about it, well, the reverberations that they did, they yeah. go, well, that kind of explains a bit about the reverberations. He also said that secondly, like metaphorically, it's cold, you know, that they, they, they're yeah. working off the science cold and that the creatures could be cold. So that kind of works off that ghost idea. So he liked that. Um, and also that they could be very unpredictable, you know, that they could jump around and we didn't really know where, where we were coming from. Again, like you will explain with the atoms and stuff, I think. So that works off that quantum idea again. So he liked that and I liked that. I thought the camera, like I said before, point of view, shooter idea, um, they played off. It is beautiful opening shot, you mm. know, nice sort of dolly back pan zoom down onto this soldier that's tiny and then he kind of gets closer to us. And we're getting this, you know, grim and grisly, beat up city, you know, scenario. Yeah. And then he's a, you know, he's an advanced military soldier, and it's it's a bit stereotypical, but you know, base is saying hold your place, and he's like, no, I'm going forward. Six or seven know. minutes, I can't. Wait I can't that wait long. that long, and we don't want him to wait that long yeah. either, as the audience. We want him to get involved, you know. And uh, so I thought the camera throughout, like I mentioned, it felt like a high powered action film. We move a lot. We, um, the angles are very, uh, depth of field. We get lots of blurry backgrounds, close ups and vice versa. You were mentioning Michael Bay. Yeah. I felt that as well. 
reminded me of some of the classic older action films, you know, of the 80s and the 90s, mm. where we have this team of soldiers fighting something. Um, and it did, you know, that, that scene you talked about as well, there was a great pace in there that they were being chased by the creatures and they were kind of fighting them back but running and fighting them back and running and it came to that courtyard scene. And likewise at the end, you know, like you mentioned, like when they built their plan up, it was... It was, you know, coming in on these helicopters and then, in fact, it's a bit of a diversion and then the lead characters are being dropped off somewhere else. And that was all shot really well, third-dimensionally, three-dimensionally, I, I felt, you mm. know, in the in the way that it was shot. But it was grim and it was grisly. And I think, again, finding out later, the setting was so great. Like, I loved that statue in the courtyard scene. Um, that scene where they also drive into the city for the first time over the bridges. Yeah. You know, they sort of have to swerve around all the cars. I mean, isn't that such a classic end of the world scene? But it was done really well, you know. And we were coming in on not New York. It wasn't skyscrapers. It was, yeah, it was European, wasn't it? It was all those sort of four or five-story sort of apartments, the design on them. And uh, they were all in ruins. Like, I was, I was impressed how much it looked shitty. <laughs> yeah. It looked like a war was happening, you know. And then even the setting, like you said, the hospital, uh, sorry, the, not the hospital, the uh, power station at the end, you know, like it, it was a bit out of this world, that power station, you know, and you do think about some of these regimes, maybe again, like North Korea, and you're like, well, what is going on behind the scenes, you know, so we've been taken to a foreign place, haven't we? Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but I watched uh, an episode of that Dark Tourist the other night, again on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And in that, he visits that um, town, that little tiny island in Japan oh, yeah. that overnight they shut down. And it had something like 6,000 residents and they shut it down in the late 70s. And it was actually a little concrete island. It's commonly known as the, um, the um, oh, I've just forgotten, the Navy ship island because it kind of looks like a battleship, mm. you know. And it's just concrete all around. And it's built on top of a coal mine because that's where coal is. So they dug it up and at one point they went, oh, we've got enough, you know, we're done with the coal shut the whole island down um, and it's all overgrown and it's it's run down now and it reminded me of that like it's yeah. here's a Japanese town built on a tiny little island that was you know flourishing until the 70s and then there's nothing you know and so we're coming here now 30 years later and it's it's oh whoa it's weird you know it's overgrown it's decaying and that's what this city felt like like it felt pretty alien in a way you know that yeah. it, you know we're seeing something cool and i really liked that and again it reminded me of old world war ii movies and stuff like that so yeah i liked it it had a real grittiness to it the camera and the the way that they pulled off that setting i think yeah, yeah. anything stand out to you uh constantly moving camera i yeah. particularly pay attention to that because i was watching someone's analysis of, of michael bay films and yeah. action films yep and so I noticed that. I, I don't know which came first. Whether, me, whether this is from his Nick's experience as a commercial director yeah. where you know, he's, he's, he'll be making commercials that need to be sort of dynamic and yeah. continuous. They need to be fast and moving. Interesting yeah. and, and attention-grabbing. Yeah. Uh, or whether he actually went, okay, well, I'm going to be doing a feature-length action film. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bay you know, yeah, I does those quite well. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he, he gets paid a lot for those, so I'm going <laughs> to give that a shot. Sort of replicate some of that idea. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. quite good. And it, yeah, the the colouring of it, yeah, was was a very computer game. It had yeah. that had that sort of feel. It did, and it was good. cold and grey, like we've talked about with quite often sci-fi's. You know that. 
that doom and gloom sort of idea that sci-fi has. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, I liked it. I liked the look of the film. I thought the film, the look of it really held me in the story, you know, like it was really something that, I, like it, that opening shot, and there was many shots like that, as I said, the shot of the fountains and stuff, those little details that you, when they drove through the city the first time, there was an upside down old helicopter decaying. Mm. And it's like, I don't know, for me, when you go to that level of detail, and it's real, you know, it's it's great. Like, as an audience, I really appreciate that. You know, yeah. I, I love that uh, attention to detail. Yeah, like, as, as we said, you can see where they spent the budget. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, that's where it's it It's a very, very nice looking film. <laughs> so yeah. speaking of that, then, where does it rate in your ranking ladder? Yeah, so look, I think I've sort of hinted at this. Um, to me, it's going down the bottom rung. All right, um, so I've got Lobster, Other Life, Passengers, The Beyond, Equals, and Spectral is now my ladder. Uh, Alien is obviously on a separate I know last week we disagreed with Other Life, but and the, and the only reason why I say that is because of it being more action-y. Like, it, it, I almost mm. feel like this is an action film. I know it's science-y. I know it's got the ghost and the other world, and it's a question mark. But it, it just the tone and the way the film all came together, it, I, I felt more action about it, you know, just... Felt Very. like it fits the action genre. So that's my reason for putting it there. Yeah, it still fits the genre, but I, I, I feel like when I compare it to these other films, it's probably not quite ticking my science fiction box. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I was going to put it in just after Lobster, actually. I, right, okay. Uh, I found it quite rewatchable. Yep. I, I found it, it just it looked great. Uh, I liked, I really did just like that this come in for to supernatural but then turns no it is actually science that that always was quite good that sort of um i wouldn't call it genre bending but certainly yeah it sort of combined a few elements and i think i think combined it well enough that i enjoyed the the journey going from mystery ghost things because i you know I was, I was watching going what what could this be how, yeah, how yeah. could this even possibly be real what sort of you know, situation I'm going to set up for this. And I agree, like um, you've said, I'm glad it wasn't ghosts. Yeah, like, or, they, I, or they could have I, just gone aliens. Yeah, 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 aliens. And then it's yeah, yeah. just like, oh, okay, just whatever, you know. That's, yeah. that is, I, that's moving to that yeah. technology so advanced, it's yeah. magic, and you're yes. going, well, yeah. this, however, is this is humans, mm. and it's quite good. So, yeah, yeah. So put it there, yeah, I think mainly, yeah, because because of that twist and because uh, it was beautiful and because I'd, I'd watched it again. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, it's good to agree to disagree at times, I think. So what are we looking at next? I believe episode? it's one on your list, The Darkest Dawn. The Darkest Dawn. Yeah. Produced I have not seen by it. a YouTuber and Ooh. it stars a whole bunch of YouTubers. Okay, okay. So, is this a little bit B grade then or is it I have no clue. <laughs> you haven't you haven't seen it before this No, one? I haven't no, seen okay. it before. But oh. uh it is I believe it's filmed. In like a handicam style. Okay, yeah, yeah, the point of Hence view. Hence the YouTube yep. connection. Uh, I don't know anything more about that. It's It has to do with um, end of the world type yep. scenario, aliens yeah. maybe. Not 100% sure, but well, I guess so. Again, we're going in with the idea, hashtag Joywatch. We're just going in. I went in with this one. I had no idea what this was about. And, uh, you know, it just was like, okay, well, that's what it is. You know, as you go in and, and I'm yeah, not get- looking at trailers. I'm not looking at blurbs. Until after I've watched it, and so yeah, look forward to the darkest dawn. Yeah, it's a good idea to to always expect to be delighted. Yeah, definitely, uh, and, and look for the good stuff in there. Definitely, man. 
All right. Well, I think that's everything for let's, Spectral. Let's wrap up Spectral. <laughs> it was a very enjoyable film. Great action. Lovely setting. Fantastic camera. I really loved the camera. I really appreciate this. Beautiful opening this. shot. Even if yeah. all you do is... Yeah, just watch that first Watch the opening <laughs> shot, you do yourself a favour. I think you'll be hooked back because that opening shot hooked. I was like, ooh, I'm, yeah, this is going to be good. I through, liked this. Yeah. You watch through to the, the reactor at the yeah. end again. You just, It's just... Uh, it's amazing the detail and it, yep. it looks like such an interesting yes. location such an interesting place and it's, if you do want a movie where there isn't that stereotypical action hero tom cruise saving the day you know soldier you know again this film it, it tries something different and you got to appreciate that you know we have a scientist he's the lead the whole way through you know mm-hmm. and he and he is genuinely a scientist you know he's not the superhero um, yeah, he does save the day, but he's 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 there. He's using his brain, not his brawn, to to save the day. And he's kind of his ethics. He's what he thinks is the is the right thing to do. So I liked that. I really did yeah. like that. And I think yeah, if you're looking for something that is a bit of a different style of here's a hero in a different way, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Very 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 uh, enjoyable film. All right, so we'll head on out and we will check out the Darkest Dawn next time. Make sure you watch it before you tune in. Yeah. And Make sure you get in touch with us and tell you what you tell us what you think. Yep. And we'll see ya. See you later.